Yo, what's up? Welcome back to Conversation Therapy. This week it's a chill episode. Just me, hanging out, Michael Lamp. Uh, this is a podcast uh, where I have conversations with other people that I find therapeutic. Uh, today, having a conversation with myself, because oftentimes that can be the most therapeutic thing. Um, I guess more than anything else right now, I'm just kind of trying to get thoughts out that I've been thinking a lot and I don't really have too many people that I feel comfortable talking to about these things because uh, they think that these are things that make a lot of my friends uncomfortable because of the nature of them so a little backstory I've been uh, raised in an evangelical family from the time that I was young went to Bible school at Moody Bible Institute I uh, was a youth pastor for a few years uh, and I'm no longer um, a pastor or an evangelical, I would say. I think that evangelical Christianity has moved far away from what I would say is a healthy understanding of the Bible. And because of that, um, I'm not really comfortable saying that I'm an evangelical for, for many reasons. And to be completely honest, I'm not sure whether or not this is ever going to end up on the air um, or if this is just going to be me talking uh, in a room to myself. Uh, shout out Hannah Brown uh, for saying that <laughs> I would just sit in a room talking to myself and she thought that was very funny. But now it's happening, so here we are. I read through a few books so far this year, including uh, Love Wins, Velvet Elvis, um, Pagan Christianity, uh, and The Great Divorce uh, by Rob Bell, uh, Frank Viola, and C.S. Lewis, respectively. Uh, I read through those in the past month-ish here. And I've been thinking a lot about them, and so I don't know. I don't know what order. I was gonna go. I was gonna go to Love Wins first, but maybe I'll do Elvis, El- Velvet Elvis first. I think really what I want to do is just kind of talk through the things that I liked about these books. Uh, read what I underlined. Um, if if for nothing else other than just an opportunity for me to talk through some of these things verbally and kind of express what I'm feeling. Um, and then if you find any of this interesting, you being listener or me in the future. But more for the listener, uh, shoot me an email at conversationtherapycast at gmail.com. And I'd love to talk about it with you um, or just get your questions or comments or whatever you're thinking. So I feel like I have gone through a lot of philosophical, theological changes over the past year. And I'm kind of more open to things than I ever have been in my entire life. So at this point, I'm just like, man, let's bring it on. I want to think about all this stuff. I want to be destabilized in everything not only my christian faith but also my worldview and all sorts of other things and i guess this this episode is going to end when my wife gets home um or when i go play volleyball um, both of which will probably be happening within the hour so we'll see how much i can actually get to here i'm just going to talk about what i find interesting and by no means is this um, a comprehensive view of what i'm thinking right now or even what i think when you're listening to this because i think at this point there's so much stuff that we don't know more than anything else right now i know how much i don't know and so i'm not comfortable doing what i did three years ago or four years ago when i was a pastor or when i was in school uh writing some long-winded theological paper or giving some long talk about proof texting and reasons why what i believe is true based on the bible like those things don't appeal to me so much right now uh, which sounds very heretical and i understand that but i think i'm just kind of at this sort of 
I don't know if it's deconstruction. It's deconstruction, but it's also like a nihilistic, nihilistic, as they say, or existential thing. Where I'm like, man, none of this even matters. Like, why do we care so much about all these things when we can just be people that are loving other people? Which, you know, everyone, like I, myself included, would say, well, you can't go to heaven. Well, like, why do we care so much about going to heaven? Like, I want to be with God. And if that's, if God is going to deny a person going to heaven, um, even though they were living for him, um, then I don't. I don't know, because I know I'm thinking of every single Bible passage ever where it's talking about you know you can go to the Father except through Jesus. But then, people who did all sorts of signs and wonders in His name will not be in heaven. But then there's also separating the sheep from the goats, and people are not gonna know like, oh, when do we do these things for you, Jesus? And you're gonna say whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. You're gonna join me in paradise, and all sorts of other things. But I guess that's kind of where Velvet Elvis comes in by Rob Bell, not because it's something that I have read before that changed my mind but more that this said things that i had been thinking in my mind for a long time but i didn't want to admit i always made fun of rob bell um and i never read anything that he did which is very hypocritical because i always tell people that they shouldn't judge anybody else until they experience them so i read it and i was like man this is awesome so basically he's talking through I'm I'm just going to literally go through the whole book right now. So if you have Velvet Elvis and you have it underlined the same way I do, then you'll be able to follow along. But if not, you can just hear what I'm reading. Um which is not too much. Um he the beginning of this he talks about tradition and and why all these different people have um found different revelations and different things and they've reformed the Christian faith in major ways. I mean, look at Martin Luther like he reformed the church to kind of be what it is today in many ways. And then Moody did the same thing with evangel, like evangelizing and all these other things. And like Christianity today looks so different than what it did, you know, hundreds of years ago and a thousand years ago. Like it looks nothing like that. And for us to assume that the way that we're doing Christianity now is the right way or even the best way to do Christianity is so full of pride. Like for me to think that, the church world today is like this is how god would want us to do christianity this is the best uh estimate or the best um estimation of what the kingdom of god would look like on the earth today is like that's some bull crap like we all know that's not true and also like if we can't reform that if we can't change that because everyone's like oh well you just want to fight against the organized church or all these things like no i don't like well yes i do but it's not for a bad reason it's not just because i'm anti-establishment or anything like that uh, even though i kind of am but that's not why. Like, there's a reason why people are anti-establishment. And it's not just because they are full of themselves or because they want to hate or they want to be different. It's because the establishment in many ways has gone the wrong way. I mean, Martin Luther was the definition of anti-establishment. And he reformed the church in a way that changed the face of it forever and made it so much better. I mean, I'm thinking of like Hunchback of Notre Dame and like, that's what the church looked like before Martin Luther came in. Like people like that, like the whole evil character in that film is, <laughs> is a guy that Martin Luther would have said, yeah, that's not it. So all right, at the beginning, just in the preface, he's talking about that. He says, we must, this is Rob Bell. We must keep reforming the way Christian faith is defined, lived and explained. Jesus is more compelling than ever, more inviting, more true, more mysterious. The problem isn't Jesus. The problem is what comes with Jesus which is just so true when I look at the church. Like, I have no problems with Jesus and everything that he talks about in the Bible. I have the problems with everything that people read into that and all these other things that people are talking about. Um, 
I don't know. I really like the way that Rob Bell talks about a lot of things. He talks about, he starts the book then talking about this idea of our faith being a trampoline instead of a brick wall. You know, brick wall where um, if we were to pull one brick out of it, the whole thing would fall versus a trampoline where things are flexible and everything is rooted to a foundation. But it's not in the same way where if you tear the whole, like the whole idea, if you don't believe in a six day literal creation than the rest of like then you don't believe in jesus and like all these things is like no like that is a very narrow view of christianity and that's a very narrow view of god saying that he had to be within what i understand is 24 hour days like what like how dare you take god and you put him in your own little box he exists outside of time and whether or not he did him in 24 literal days this is where we get into the issue of whether or not I don't know. I don't swear too much. I hardly swear at all. But I'm beginning to feel like more and more that um, swearing is a, like a natural part of conversation. It almost makes it more healthy because like I feel like I want to swear in reference to a lot of these things. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'll lose a portion of my audience. So I'm just not going to swear. And if I accidentally do, I'll censor myself later um but i don't intend to and i don't think it's a thing that is a great way to uh communicate with other people i also have coffee shout out the benton dent oh still warm so rabel's talking uh, later says our words aren't absolutes only god is absolute and god has no intention of sharing this absoluteness with anything especially words people have come up with to talk about him oh yeah and then he talks about the whole idea of i am how (laughs) we can't understand god we just can't we have all of these um things that we say about god these characteristics of him and even then these are all like human characteristics or things that humans can understand when god is so far outside of our understanding (coughs) no i've had my days doubting whether or not god is real but coming back to this idea that there's something greater that i always come back to that um i don't know what that looks like i don't know if it's it's definitely not what i believed in for so long because i don't want to worship a god who would be what i believed in four years ago um and maybe everyone else believes differently than I do, but I think that a lot of people just don't really think about the implications of what it means to worship a God like the one that I thought was God four years ago. But this idea that God is outside of what we can understand. I have underlined next, doctrine is a wonderful servant and a horrible master. Man, heck yeah. That's so... Man, I feel like doctrine has become a master of the modern organized church like the way that we look at the world is through this lens of doctrine that is not healthy you know um god is so much we can't take our lives and shove them into these little doctrine filled uh prescriptive um little boxes and then expect that to be the ways the the only ways that god is going to work with people like I don't know, man. It feels like this isn't like a uniquely now thing. Like it's not uniquely 21st century, but because of how easy it is for us to communicate with each other, it's so easy to tell other people what to do and what not to do. And that's a very unrealistic thing to expect everyone else in the world to live like you. The whole idea of like, 
surely people's lives would be better if they had an iPhone. Like, no, like they're living on this island and their lives are certainly much happier than somebody else's and they're self-sustaining and like, who's to say that those people aren't living in heaven right now? You know, whether you, I mean, that's, that's C.S. Lewis there talking about from the beginning, people thought that they were living in heaven or hell and whichever one they thought they were right. I should pull up that quote, but I'm not going to. Um, all right. Next thing I've underlined, God is bigger than any religion. God is bigger than any worldview. God is bigger than the Christian faith. Woo! A little loud there. Sorry. Maybe I'll turn that down. No, I won't. Who am I kidding? It's not worth it. God is so much bigger and all that. Heck yeah. And this is him talking about the trampoline. He says, I'm far more interested in jumping than I am in arguing about whose trampoline is better. You rarely defend the things you love. You enjoy them and tell others about them and invite others to enjoy them with you. Oh, man. Heck, yeah. Like, I want other people to live their best lives. And I want to tell other people the good news of Jesus. Because this is what it, I had a long conversation with um, some of my close, close friends and we were talking through this idea of like who goes to heaven and what does that look like and then i mean i was i would say arguing but i was kind of saying like what if it's just like it's not that our works oh excuse me it's not that our works get us to heaven but rather that what we do shows inwardly who we are serving and so a person who would outwardly say i'm not serving jesus because the only jesus that they've ever heard about is like the homophobic, racist, horrible Jesus that is not real Jesus. But let's imagine a person says, I don't serve that Jesus. Um, and then they live their life serving Jesus, like actual good Jesus. And then in heaven, God says, you man, you were doing all these things for me. And they're like, what are you talking about? I never served you. And he's like, no, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And then it clicks with them. They say, oh, you weren't all these things. Who am I to say that that person can't be in heaven next to me? Who am I to say that an atheist now who is living a Christ-like life is not going to be in heaven with me. Um, and then they gets into the whole thing of like, well, what are, they haven't accepted Jesus. And I was like, what the heck does that even mean? Like, we've, we've determined that it means these very specific things, but like beliefs are so much more than what we can understand. Like, I feel like for a long time I've been shoving down my beliefs. Like, I've wanted to believe an, in the evangelical way about all these different things, and yet here I am sitting thinking like, I didn't believe that. Like, I didn't. I wanted to. I was convincing myself that I did. But then at the end of the day, I didn't believe those things. I believed something much different, which is what I'm currently saying. It just took, you know, an existential crisis to get there. Shout out me having an existential crisis. All right. And then next quote. Questions are not scary. What is scary is when people don't have any. What is tragic is faith that has no room for them. Boom, son. Later on, same idea. Questions, no matter how shocking or blasphemous or arrogant or ignorant or raw, are rooted in humility. A humility that understands that I am not God and there's more to know. Man, Christianity without questions is a cult. I feel like that's what it is in a lot of evangelical churches, is that we've decided that you can't be a Christian and have questions and doubts and all these things without saying it. Cause we say, Oh yeah, you can definitely have oh, yeah, for sure. But then like the real questions are the ones that are skirted over because they're uncomfortable because pastors don't want to talk about them. Myself included when I was a pastor, like if there's a group of 15 teens and I get two questions, one of them about like 
homosexuality in the Bible, which is even that a charged topic, but the other one about like uh, whether or not this person who lives a Christian life is going to heaven. Like, I know exactly how I would have answered those, but I know exactly how I would have felt about answering those. Is like, I don't know. I don't even. I don't even agree with myself ever. So, let's talk about questioning, and it says. It allows us to have moments when we come to the end of our ability to comprehend. Moments when the silence is enough. Woo! That's so good. The Christian faith is mysterious to the core. It is about things and beings that ultimately can't be put into words. Language fails. And if we do definitively put God into words, and we have at that very moment made God something God is not. Man, mysteries are not meant to be solved when they are God. You know... Being a Christian, then, is more about celebrating mystery than conquering it. Oh, man, that is something that really is exciting to me. Because I think that I have thought for a long time, and a lot of people that I've talked to um, in school and in churches, I mean, all Christian people, all these people want to know definitively all of these things. And that's the easiest way to do it. I mean, that's the reason why Trump is so appealing, is because he is very definitive. He is black and white this is real this is not this is what i say this is what and then like whether or not those things are true like that is an appealing thing like strong leaders who aren't necessarily good leaders but who are able to gather a following i mean look at hitler like i'm not i'm not comparing trump to hitler i'm saying people who gather people around them to do whatever they thought was correct i mean who's another like i mean i'm trying to think of a leader who is not Hitler, but Hitler's the one that comes to mind because he created this army of people that all followed him. I mean, even look at the U.S. Like, we say definitively, like, our safety and security is the most important thing in the world, like, over all this other stuff, and so we're willing to, like, rape and pillage the world for our safety and security because our lives are more valuable than anyone else's, and it's this very tribalistic mindset of, like, us and them, and we are more important, and they're less important, and, oh, what a tangent, son. And so he's talking, going back. There's often a list of however many doctrines, and the goal is to get people to intellectually assent to these things being true. Once we believe the right things, then we're in. Uh, Yeah, I feel like that's exactly how I operated for so long, is like being being an evangelistic person was about getting other people to consent to my opinions i think i hear the garage door opening which mean that my wife is home which mean this is a super short episode i mean i am on page 29 of velvet elvis with my underlying quotes but i can almost guarantee that my wife is home now oh man yeah i don't know i guess more than anything else at this point like i said before like it's about embracing the mystery and loving the fact that i don't know instead of like i don't know i shouldn't have to defend defending my faith is not going to convince anyone else getting someone to intellectually assent to my version of things is not helpful like the reality is that nobody is convinced by the intellectual dominance of another and that's just kind of what it is. Man. Well, I suppose that's a short one, but 
I would like to talk to my wife. <sighs> maybe, maybe she'll come join me. I doubt it. She's over there. Hey. Welcome home. She said thanks for making the bed, and you're welcome. I'm just going to pause this and get back to it later. And we're back. Summer's in the shower, so I have maybe five minutes to wrap up my thoughts. Uh, man, I guess... I don't know. I guess this will be the shortest episode. But, I don't know. I'm, I plan on keeping on doing these. Maybe doing some longer ones. Just to talk through kind of where I'm at. I would love to have this be more of a uh, a therapeutic thing where I just kind of talk through stuff because I think that it's like it's good to be talking to other people but there's also something that's incredibly healthy about just doing doing it by yourself you know just talking into the ether I mean I'm not expecting audience engagement really what I'm expecting more than anything else is just I don't know I guess just to, to feel better you know, and I think I already do. I already feel good, even though I like, I know I didn't express this to anyone necessarily. Um, shout out to you if you're listening to this. Um, I don't know who you are, but I guess this isn't a long one. So appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, email me conversation at gmail.com with your book recommendations, uh, whatever they may be. Um, but don't say the Bible because I've read that before. Just kidding. If you have a specific spot in the Bible you want me to read, I'd love to do that. Um, but I don't know at this point how I feel about doing a high-level exegetical study of the original languages. I think I will just read a commentary or 12. I don't know. Hey, appreciate you. Have a great day. I don't know how to end this. I've never ended this by myself before. I usually always just end it with something crazy happening. Uh, this is a jam. Man, if, if anyone has made it this far, I would be amazed because I feel like for the past 30 seconds I've done nothing. And then when a podcast is about to end, for me, I'm going to start like petering off at the end, instantly on to the next one. Don't even listen to the last 30 seconds. So if you made it this far, I would just like to say to you, and don't let anybody else take this away from you ever, right? I just want to tell you that.